G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. It's a little baby in a manger who grows up to go to the cross and give his life for you so that you in turn would give your life for others. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Christmas time can be overwhelming, and in our Western society, financial and social expectations can be stressful. Today we'll hear some Christmas miracles that serve as a wonderful reminder of the real reasons for celebrating the gift of the baby Jesus. All week we're hearing messages from a series called Celebrating Differently. When God uses us to a great degree, as wonderful as it is, as fulfilling as it is, as magnificent as it is, it still requires so much from us. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Merry Christmas. Please have a seat. I think uh, of all the Christmases that we've experienced together, this is my favorite so far. And and a big part of the reason is, is because about six weeks ago, I gave you a challenge and I asked you, I said, go out this season and pray for a divine intervention in your life this season. Maybe you have been asking God for something for a long time and you gave up. I said, ask again. Maybe there's a relationship that's been fractured that you've been wanting to repair or restore. You gave up. Ask God to intervene again. Maybe uh, there's an illness in your family. Maybe it's with you. It's with one of your kids. Maybe it's with uh, somebody that you're close to. You gave up praying. Ask again. Who knows that God would not intervene and that something special would happen during the season. Then I asked you the second thing. I said, while you're doing that, ask God to bring somebody across your path where that you could be an intervention in their life, that you could make a difference in somebody else's life. Now, folks, the stories that have been coming across my desk over the last six weeks, if we had hours together, I could share them all. But here's a commonality that I've seen in the stories. And it has a lot to do with the original story. It's a passage with which we've not yet dealt in the Christmas narrative. It's the story of Mary's response. We call it the Magnificat. Her song of praise after she's been told that she's going to bear the Christ child. It's amazing how she responds. It's like she knows something that most of us won't figure out until later in life. She begins by saying that her soul magnifies and glorifies God and her spirit rejoices in her Savior. And then she says, starting with verse 48, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, she says, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he has promised. Two things I notice in the Magnificat. Here's the first one. All the praise goes to God. 
Instead of talking about how great she is, she talks about how wonderful God is. As a matter of fact, you'd think that Mary could kind of hold her head up high and say, am I the woman or what? I mean, I'm bearing the son of God. It doesn't get any better than this. Instead, her song basically continues to glorify God, talking about how great he is and how lowly she is. But it's the second thing that grabbed my attention. And it's this understanding that she has that if you're going to be used by God, it's going to require some great sacrifice on her part. Some incredible generosity. Think about it. After Mary hears this message that she's going to bear the Christ child, her life starts spiraling downward pretty quick, doesn't it? What happens? Well, she's an unwed mother in a culture that they stone you for that. Joseph, if you ever notice in the Bible, you don't hear from him anymore. He kind of just disappears. He probably lost his position in the temple. And then suddenly there's this census. And I wonder if Mary asked God, surely you saw this coming. So now she's going to have to take a donkey ride 60 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem to register. And then Herod makes this decree that he's going to send his men out because he's not going to share his throne with anybody. And he's going to kill all the babies two years and younger. So she's got to go on a flight, another long donkey ride into Egypt where she's going to have to live for three years before she can return home. One thing after the next. That she understands something that we don't. When God uses us to a, a great degree, it often requires, as wonderful as it is, as fulfilling as it is, as magnificent as it is, it still requires so much from us. It costs Mary dearly. And this is what we've noticed. Because as these stories keep coming across my desk, I wish I could tell all of them to you. Let me just tell a couple, okay? Just a couple. My friend Anthony McMahon, who's one of our elders here at Christ Church of the Valley, he does financial counseling uh, in the evenings. So he works for Merrill Lynch, but then he does free counseling, especially for a lot of our single moms who are trying to financially make it with their families. And he said that last week, a woman from Pomona took the bus to come over. He was going to advise her, help her. Just kind of find a way to assist her. We have a large benevolent fund here that we try to invest in these people's lives. So she gets on the bus. She comes over. She's never been to Christchurch of the Valley. So she gets off at the wrong bus stop. It just so happens there's a couple standing there. And she said, look, I'm, I'm supposed to have an appointment with somebody at Christchurch of the Valley. Does anybody know where that church is? And they said, yeah, that's our church. Let's take you over there. So they walk her over. Introduce her to Anthony. Anthony says, the whole time I'm advising her, I'm realizing this woman really needs more than just advice. She needs some real help. And he said, I was overwhelmed with a feeling that God wanted me to pray for her. So I started praying for her. And at the end of the prayer, this couple that walked her over came in with a white envelope with a large amount of cash to give it as a gift to this lady. Let me tell you about my friend Adam Ballesteros, who's down at the hospital at USC. Fighting for his life. He needs a heart. He desperately needs a heart. You can imagine that his young wife and daughter, this is not a happy Christmas for them. And they're struggling just to, to survive. Well, there's a couple in our church that heard me tell that story two weeks ago. So they send me an envelope and they say, Pastor Jeff, we don't want to have Christmas if they're not having Christmas. So they took all the money that they were going to spend on each other. And it's a rather large family, a wealthy family. And they gave it to this family, gave it to this young mother and her daughter. She was overwhelmed. We're hearing about some Christmas miracles on Today with Jeff Vines, a reminder about what this season of giving should truly be about. 
But the one I really want to concentrate on, this story. I have a buddy here at the church. His name is Clive Raharui. He's a crazy man. If you know him, you know he's crazy. Clive never met a problem he couldn't solve, and he never met a problem he could not create. Do you know people like that? That's him. And uh, he left his home in Australia some five or six years ago, sold his business, left Australia, came here by faith because he believed that God had something for him here. He watched regularly our messages online and he said, I just felt God calling me that the messages that are preached on this stage need to be heard around the world. And he has radio ties with so many different conglomerates. So he left everything to come here. He is a crazy guy. I'm telling you, if you talk to his wife, he's got three beautiful kids. They are amazing because of the mom. (laughs) Sebastian and Max and then his little daughter Paige is an amazing young girl. If you've ever seen that Garfield cartoon that said, I never met a lasagna I didn't like. One of my favorite cartoons, Paige, his 10-year-old daughter, I never met a person I didn't love. That's her. She loves everybody. And so Clive is down at a, a business, a dentistry. And he's a business consultant, so he's consulting. And this particular dentist gathers all of his employees on the floor in the morning and they pray before they start every work day. That would be awesome. Think about what would happen to our businesses if everyone did that. And they're praying this prayer. And Clyde, through the praying, discovers that this dentist is involved in bringing orphans from the Ukraine over to the United States. and, And providing host families in hopes that someone would see them and adopt them. You have all these orphaned children. It is a hellish life. If they're not adopted by the age of 16, they're thrown out into the street, basically. They either end up in a sex slave trade or in a mafia or gang relationships or suicide. It's a horrific life, even in the orphanage. There's very little money. There's very much poverty, very little food and clothing to go around. It's a horrific life. And so Clive is hearing this prayer. And they start praying about this young man named Ilya, who's 13 years old, and Katya, this young girl who dresses like a boy because she doesn't want anybody in Ukraine to know she's a girl. You could understand why. And her two brothers. After the prayer, Clive feels compelled to learn more about this family, so he drives to the host family home. He gets the address from the dentist. He shows up, he meets this little boy, Ilya, and Katya and her two brothers. On the way back from meeting them, he gets this idea. But he's got to share it with his wife, who already has three kids of her own and homeschools. No thanks to the husband. (laughs) And Clive starts to feel the moving of the Spirit of God that maybe they're the family. But how do you convince your wife? So he goes home and he tells Johanna, who's a lovely woman, done a great job with these kids. It says, God is moving in me. And of course, her response is, well, that must be just some bad pizza that you had this afternoon. We don't need no kid. Not another kid. Clive gets this idea that the next night he will invite Ilya over to his house to meet his kids. And in the meantime, he invites another family, the De La Vegas. Fantastic family from the Philippines who were quite well off in the Philippines. But oftentimes this happens when you move to another country. It's a whole different lifestyle for you. And so they also have three kids in a two-bedroom house, one of whom uh, is named Gida, that is on our worship team. So he invites, Clive is clever, or sneaky, it depends on, there's a fine line between the two. He invites the De La Vegas over, 
He invites Ilya, this young man from the Ukraine, over. And this young man is overwhelmed by the love that these other kids give him. You can imagine. Folks, you ever, have you ever looked into empty eyes? Have you ever looked into a young girl's eyes who's been raped numerous times and just has no reason to live? Have you ever looked into a young man's eyes who's been abused by the system and just has no life left? That's what they all saw. So at the end of the night, they all got down and they wanted to pray for these kids. But as they began to pray for these kids, knowing that they were all going back to the Ukraine because no one had adopted them, they all began to weep. Just weep for these kids. The night came to an end and Clive started having this dream. And it was in a reoccurring one. The dream was that Ilya was in a river he had fallen in and he was drowning and he's asking for help, but no one's around to help. And in the dream, Clive looks around and no one will jump in and help. And he has it over and over and over again until finally he realizes God's sending him this dream because he's saying, Clive, you're the only one that can jump in and save him. And so he shares the dream with his wife. And his wife responds by saying, okay, we'll find them a family. Right? We'll find them a family. That's what God wants us to help. Find them a family. We're not the family, but to find them one. In the meantime, Gita has gone back to her mom and dad, Henry and Tanette, and said, we need to take all three of these other kids, Katya and her two brothers. So Gita goes to try to break down the wall. Katya has really got a walled up, very aggressive, very angry, because families have promised to adopt them three times. Nobody's ever taken them. It's too much of a task, too much of a work. And so Gita shares love with this young girl, Katya, and she breaks down those barriers, and they become friends, and the... Even the Bible, you know, the Bible says the soft word turns away wrath. And anytime there's generosity and kindness, it will break down the wall of bitterness over time. So she goes back and tells her parents with three kids, two bedrooms, God's telling me we need to adopt these kids. Are you sure? They ask her. Are you sure this is God speaking? Cloud goes back to his family and says to his three kids, Sebastian, Max, and little Paige, you guys each have a relationship with God. You go and pray and see where God leads you. And then we'll come back together as a family. In the meantime, Johanna goes to a, a graduation party or a reunion party for something called Leadership USA that is just changing the lives of so many teenagers in this valley. And she goes up to her friend, Karen, and says, Karen, Cobb brought this kid home and, you know, my kids love this child. And I just, you know, we're feeling convicted. I need, I, you know, I, I know God is telling me we need to help we need to help them find a family. And her friend looks at her and says, well, wait a minute. I've had this dream. You're the person. So she just heard from her best friend that she's had a dream that she's the one supposed to adopt the kids. Oh, now she's not happy. <laughs> she goes back to wait what her kids will say. And the kids come out and say, yeah, dad, we, we think we should do this. God is leading us to do this. And there's little Sebastian, who's the middle child, who's a little bit reluctant because he says, I'm the middle child. I got to fight for everything right now as it is. And Clive says, okay, you go back one more night and sleep on it. Only this time, put yourself in his shoes and see what the Lord says. That's cold. <laughs> and they all decided. Both families decided they're going to do it. I got a note last night because the De La Vegas are in the Philippines and they're watching this online. And she just wanted, and I said, look, did I get the story right? Are my facts right? Are they straight? She sends me this message. Yes, Pastor Jeff, we are adopting our three 
precious Katya, Sasha, and Artem. Yes, they were supposed to have been adopted three times before, but it didn't push through. They've been deeply disappointed, and Katya has sobbed so hard, her host mom in the U.S. had to physically hold her up. She has repeatedly asked why nobody has taken them, why nobody wants them. All she has prayed for is her and her brothers to be adopted. She has become a believer who shares Christ with the other orphans, some of whom she mothers and physically protects. Because at the orphanage, if you want to keep something, you either sleep in it or fight for it. She is currently in bed sick with a fever back in the Ukraine. Last August, when she was in California, during one brief moment of silence in the car as we were pulling out of Benelli Park, after having fed the ducks with her and Ilya, Katya said, I wish time would stop. She was free to be a child, to laugh, to feel safe, to be loved. Signed, Tanette. Both of these families, what's impressed me so much is they don't have their head in the sand. They know that to do this is going to cost them dearly. It's, an, it's, a, it's a sick world we live in, isn't it, folks? You think about this for a moment. They are willing to adopt these families. The Ukraine doesn't want them. Put them out on the street, yet they're going to charge each family 20 grand each to adopt the kids. It's a deal they have with the U.S. government. How sad is that? It reminds me of my Africa days when we would bring aid into Zimbabwe to feed people through missionary aviation pilots. So we're bringing this food and clothing into the people of Zimbabwe and the government's charging us duty on it. It's an evil world. Now you can either put your head in the sand, get mad, say I'm not going to do anything. Or you can be like these two families. You know what? We know it. It stinks. We know it's an evil world. There are evil men and women in our world. But you know what? We're supposed to be a light that shines in the darkness. We're going to adopt these two kids and we're going to find a way to make it happen. Both know the reality it's going to be hard. Both understand that. But both say God has called us to do this. And both understand that we are most like Jesus when we are people of sacrifice and generosity. Folks, you know, one of my big fears is I know that I'm saved by grace through faith. I say that all the time and I got it. We're not saved because we're good because there's nobody in this room that's good. I'm not good and you're not good. Just, just, just confess it, okay? We're not good, all right? And you might compare yourself to Hitler or Stalin, but when you put yourself up against Mother Teresa and Billy Graham, you're in big trouble. But they're not good either. No one is good. No, there's no one righteous, no one. And if you think you're going to get into heaven because you're good, man, talk about illusion. None of us are good. None of us. We might do good things from time to time, but compared to a holy God, one of my biggest fears is standing before God and God says to me, let me, let me get this straight, Pastor Jeff. I sent my son. I gave up what is most precious to me so that I would not lose you. I gave up my son to die on a cross for your sins. I gave the ultimate sacrifice of what was precious to me. I was extremely generous. It was extravagant generosity to you. You didn't do anything to earn it. And I put eternity in your heart so that you would know there's a sense of beyond in you. You would know there's something more. And yet I did all this for you and you never did anything outside of yourself. You never brought anyone, you never expressed that kind of generosity and sacrifice to anybody other than yourself. This is Christmas, guys. It's a little baby in a manger who grows up to go to the cross and give his life for you. So that you in turn would give your life for others. That's a call on our lives. And so, we light our Advent candles, remembering what it is that we're celebrating. We said week one... That the first purple candle represented royalty. Christ left his throne. He left glory so that he could come to earth, 
live among us and do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And then we lit the second candle, which is the candle for though our sins be as scarlet, he will make them white as snow. And then we lit the third candle that represented that we are on a journey. We are sojourners. We're not yet home, but home is where we're headed. And then this weekend, we light the red candle. That's the candle of celebration. The king has come. He left it all for us. Our sins are scarlet, but he has made them white as snow. We're on a journey. We're headed toward heaven. And the reason we light the red candle is because he has adopted us into his family and has promised never to leave us alone. And the call on your life this Christmas is to not go by without saying yes to that thing God has been calling you to do that's beyond yourself. To make someone else's life better. To enrich them. To agree finally that it's not all about you. That it's all about him and how he uses you to enrich the lives of others. And that's how we celebrate Christmas. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your goodness. I thank you for showing us that in the Magnificat, the Song of Mary, she was very well aware that although this was an awesome privilege, it was going to cost her. And in her lowly state, she magnifies you. In our lowly state, we magnify you. And we recall and remember that the, the, the greatest way in which we, the most effective way in which we show that we are the sons and daughters of, of God adopted into his family is when we are generous and sacrificial on behalf of something that's bigger and beyond ourselves. Thank you for Christmas and its reminder that this little baby in the manger came to earth And that the angels rejoiced at his birth because they knew that this birth was the first step in God redeeming and restoring mankind to himself. And I pray for all that hear this message that they would know there is a God who loves them so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him should have everlasting life. Thank you for Christmas and for your love in Christ's name. In Christ's name, in the manger, with silence and quietness and how everything is still. The star of Bethlehem is out. The cattle are lowing and Mary's pondering everything in her heart and Joseph is asking what all this means. That in that silence, God, Emmanuel, God with us, steps into time and space, redeems us in order that we may go home and never be homeless again. In Christ's name. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. We have special Advent messages all week as we celebrate giving because we have received so much in Christ.
Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.